Well, good singing this evening. We are continuing on in our statement of faith and looking through what we believe and why we believe it here at Victor Baptist Church. And we're on the subject of salvation tonight. Subject of salvation. So go to Isaiah 55. That's where we'll start. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7. And let's have a word of prayer to start here tonight. Father, thank you for this subject. It's exciting to look into the gospel again and, and just to be reminded, Lord, of what you've done for us. Uh, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That, Father, salvation is complete uh, at that moment that you save us, Lord. And, and uh, we're sealed in your, uh, by your Spirit, held in your hand for all of eternity. What a blessing to know, Lord, that when you save us, uh, you keep us. Lord, help us tonight as we look in your word to be strengthened through it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. So salvation, number one, we believe in God's electing grace. The blessings of salvation are made free to all by the gospel. It is the immediate duty of all to accept these blessings by a cordial, penitent, and obedient faith. So I want to be careful when we say electing grace. We do not believe in irresistible grace. We're not Calvinist in our views. We have a free will that God gave us to choose or to disobey the truth. So it is the immediate duty of all to accept these blessings by a cordial, penitent, and obedient faith. Nothing prevents the salvation of even the greatest sinner on earth but his own inherent depravity and voluntary rejection of the gospel. And that's very important. We don't stand before God and accuse him someday. The lost will never be able to do so. They stand before him having to admit that they voluntarily rejected the gospel. We all stand before, guilty, before him guilty if we reject him. Which rejection involves him in an aggravated condemnation. So Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7, there's, there's uh, I, don't, I didn't count how many verses we have listed, or I mean have references we have down in our actual statement of faith, but I'm going to read a few from each point tonight. We have four points, um, like I've been doing uh, through this whole time. And so Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7, Seek ye the Lord... While he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. This is a beautiful chapter in the Word of God. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. We, we learn about the Lord in this, but we see his salvation in these two verses. And it is a voluntary obedience. Um, we believe the Holy Spirit draws the sinner, but we reject him or, or accept him. John chapter 3. Um, you had to know we were going to John chapter 3, right? Starting in verse 15, we'll read through verse 18, that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He came to redeem. This verse says that we must believe on him. If we do, we're not condemned. If we reject him, we're condemned already. Living under that condemnation, that that uh, inevitable punishment, the death of sin. Verse 36 of chapter 3 says, He that believeth on the Son hath eternal or everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. We believe in God's electing grace. We believe in uh, accepting this salvation. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll go back and learn the books of my Bible here. <laughs> you know, once in a while it's like trying to, uh, to go through the alphabet. You've got to start a ways back and run. I generally don't have to do that in the New Testament, but uh, once in a while. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And verse 8 says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And <laughs> I wrote these references down. These are the ones I wanted to use tonight just because what a thrill to read this and, to, and just to be reminded. The redemption of Christ is through his blood according to the riches of his grace, which is infinite. And it says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us. That grace abounds toward us in all wisdom and prudence. We have this redemption that is infinite. <laughs> what an amazing thing as we, as we can just read through the Word of God and see all of these things as we're reminded of the gift that God has given us. Chapter 4 of chapter 2, verse 4 of Ephesians says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in, high, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. There it is again, the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. <laughs> we cannot... We cannot fathom the measure of His grace. There's no way to, to describe it or even to understand it. But this is what we live in. This is what we live in. We get, we get so discouraged and it's because we forget the exceeding riches of the grace of God. When we get our eyes off of what He's done for us Amen. and what He is doing for us. It's not that grace wasn't just given to me 30... 30 Two years ago, getting old, 32 years ago when I got saved, it was given to me then and every day since. Amen. Exceedingly, the riches of His grace. 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And the principle of the gift freely given, that we cannot earn it. There's nothing I can do to be saved. My baptism didn't wash away my sins. It was done before then. It was just a symbol. There's nothing, I can't give enough in the plate to earn it. I can't live a good enough life. My riches, I mean, my righteousnesses are as filthy rags to God. We saw last week, we're totally depraved outside of the gospel. So, for by grace are you saved. That exceeding riches of his grace in verse 7, he goes on to say, it's by that that you're saved through faith not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, freely given. So we believe in God's electing grace. We believe that the salvation of sinners is holy of grace through the media, mediatory office of the Son of God. He, by the appointment of the Father, freely took upon himself our nature yet without sin. He honored the divine law by his personal obedience. By his death he made a full and vicarious atonement for sin, this consisted not in setting us an example by his death as a martyr, but was the voluntary substitution of himself in the sinner's place, the just dying for the unjust. Christ the Lord, having borne our sins in his own body on the tree, rose from the dead. He is now enthroned in heaven, uniting in his wonderful person the tender sympathies with divine perfection. <clears throat> he is in every way qualified to be a suitable, compassionate, and all-sufficient Savior. There is no redemptive power in any other. We know these things to be true. Let's look at the scriptures. Isaiah chapter 53. <clears throat> Verses 4 through 7. We're going to go ahead and read from verse 1, I think. Verse 1 says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and, afflict and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not, openeth not his mouth. <laughs> this is a beautiful passage of Scripture. I don't want to put my own name in there. I, I do when I'm reading it. I, I put my name in there. Our, or when it says, when it's talking about a person, it's my sin, my iniquity, put him on that cross. And I despised him. 
Surely he's borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. Yet I did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for my transgression. And we know that he is the only sinless substitutionary sacrifice that could pay our sin, pay for our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I I have tried, and it'll never happen until I'm in heaven. I wonder what we're going to think in heaven, because... What, I, what, I, what I've wondered about is what that burden of sin must have felt like to Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. As God is putting on him the sin of all mankind. Not just those that are saved, all mankind. He paid the debt for those that have rejected him. He paid for their sin too. And what that must have felt like and the agony that he was going through to sweat, as it were, drops of blood that oozed out of his skin. The pressure was so intense. Someday in heaven, I think we're going to have a measure of that. At least we're going to know. Because to see him as he is. And our love for him will just grow and grow and grow as we see the sacrifice that he's made. Because we can't fathom it now. We can't fully grasp that sacrifice that he made. But we know it's true. He did it that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1, 4. It says who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according according to the will of God and our Father. Verse 5, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He gave himself for my sin. One more, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. We'll start in verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For we were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He gave himself for us. We believe that salvation of sinners is holy of grace through the mediatory office of the Son of God, that great sacrifice that he made. 
We believe, thirdly, that in order to be saved, sinners must be born again. The new birth is a new creation in Christ Jesus, which is instantaneous and not a process. It's important. It's instantaneous, not a process. We are justified. There's sanctification that goes through life, becoming more like Him. But my spirit was made perfect when I accepted Him as my Savior. Complete in Him. In the new birth, the one dead in trespasses and sins is made a partaker of the divine nature and receives eternal life, the free gift of God. This new creation is brought about in a manner of above our comprehension and not by culture, character, or the will of man. It is wholly and solely by the power of the Holy Spirit in connection with divine truth, securing our voluntary obedience to the gospel. Proper evidence appears in the holy fruits of repentance, faith, and newness of life. Must be born again. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. <clears throat> 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we're born again. We are made alive. Acts chapter 16. I underlined in, in verse 12 just the first, first part. But as many as received him. Um, I was in a discussion with a, one that believes in Calvinism. And I underlined that we have to receive him. It says it over and over and over in the Word of God, but as many as receive him. If you get into that discussion, there's one verse, there's so many more. Acts 16 30 through 33 says, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the, name, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And they took him the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and were baptized, he and all his straightway. Must be born again. Must be saved. He said there, and one more is in Acts... Or, not Acts, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, 7 through 11. You thought we were going to Nicodemus, didn't you? The story of Nicodemus. Because the carnal man is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is, a, is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken 
your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. You're made alive by His Spirit that dwelleth within you. This goes along with the, the instantaneous process, or instantaneous work of God, not the process. If Christ be in you, the, spirit, the body is dead, but the Spirit is life. We're made alive. We're born again. It's a proper term to use. We believe that in order to be saved, sinners must be born again. Fourth and lastly, we believe that repentance and faith are solemn obligations and inseparable graces wrought in our souls by the quickening Spirit of God, thereby being deeply convicted of our guilt, danger, helplessness, and of the way of salvation by Christ, we turn to God with unfeigned contrition, confession, and supplication for mercy. At the same time, we heartily receive the Lord Jesus Christ and openly confess Him as our only and all-sufficient Savior. We believe in repentance. I do not believe repentance is a work. It is absolutely necessary for salvation. It is a result of the Holy Spirit working in our life and showing us our sin. But without repentance, there is no salvation. If we don't acknowledge our sin, we're, we're not saved. That's what repentance really is. Acknowledging the sin, turning from it. It's not an act. It is a result of our accepting Christ. The faith that we put in Him and the understanding of our sin. So go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verse 37 and 38. <clears throat> now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, the, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now don't get this wrong. Baptism is not part of salvation in this verse. They're both a result of faith. Faith, understanding Christ, understanding our sin, causes repentance, and without it is no salvation. And then the next step of obedience is baptism. Please don't read this wrong and say that baptism is part of salvation. That is not what Peter is saying here. The for the remission of sins is is acknowledging of our need and our, our great sin before Him. So, repentance, He said you must repent. Uh, chapter 20, verse 21. We could have gone into, uh, John the Baptist talked about repenting. Twenty twenty one. Paul is teaching here, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see both in this, in this verse, repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Then lastly, we're going to go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, 8 through 13.
But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead. It says, you shall be saved. These things are necessary. We believe in God's electing grace. We believe the salvation of sinners is holy of grace through the mediatory office of the Son of God. We believe that in order to be saved, sinners must be born again. And we believe that repentance and faith are solemn obligations and inseparable graces wrought in our souls by the quickening Spirit of God. This is what we believe on salvation. It's a simple thing. We, we read in Galatians. Well, let's go to Galatians. I want to read this because it's important. We'll close here. I told you we were closing on the other one. I said before I was a pastor that if I was ever a pastor, I would never say this is my last verse and go to another verse. <laughs> never say never, right? But chapter 1, we speak of salvation, and, the, and we have Scripture, and we back up what we believe, and I, and I hold to this unapologetically. We, we're not going to waver from this. This is the Word of God. Verse, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. For though we, so if I, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than yet ye have received, let him be accursed. It's simple. The plan of salvation is simple, but it's sacred. And if we teach anything else, the Bible says, let him be accursed. Where I have nothing to do with other forms of the gospel, if you want to call it that. And we are to be careful about how we teach it and how we preach it and, and stick by the Word of God. And I believe we are. And I'm thankful for that. And uh, praise the Lord for His mercy and grace. Before I, we dismiss an word of prayer tonight, I, I'm going to announce two things. Next week, we're going to move up the estate planning class to 4.30. Okay, so... We're, we're 15 minutes is really barely any time. So we're going to give Matt a little more time than, than 15 minutes. We'll start at 4.30 next week. Um, and, uh, and then the 26th is two Sundays from now. The evening service, we're going to have a singspiration. So uh, if you're not familiar with that, 
We'll just, we're going to sing for the whole hour. We'll have special music, and uh, I mean, it could be impromptu. It doesn't have to be real formal on a singspiration. We're just going to praise the Lord through in music um, for that time. And so if you have a special that you would like to sing, um, please do so. Uh, just let me know ahead of time. Um, but uh, you know, I might call on the quartet to get up and sing or... <laughs> 